Hello, and welcome to the fittest fat kid you know. That'd be me. I am Bruce, the fittest fat kid you know. And joining me for the first time, as always, Randy Mulkey, my friend, my mentor, at one point my coach, kind of like the uncle I never really had, even though I did have a couple uncles. Hey, Randy. Brusela, such a good nephew you are. Aw, shucks. How you doing there? I'm good. So I understand you, you grew a little tummy while you're out from under my strict supervision. Is that what we're faced with here? Ah, uh, yes. Let's just kick it off right away. Yes. Um, and in fact, that's the basis of the reason we're doing this podcast is because um, over the course of the past year and a half, I have ballooned, inflated, grown the butter store, however you want to put it. But I went from in about the first quarter of 2020, weighing somewhere around 180, 185, to what I weigh now, which is the low, low weight of 258.5 pounds. While not as bad as I thought it was going to be, that is still a massive weight gain over the course of a year and a half. Well... Given these hard times and uh, what some have suffered, uh, a little weight gain, I guess, is on the low end of the scale for you know uh, the condition you could be in. That's true. I could be dead. Every day above ground is a good day, Bruce, even chubby days. A little bit about me and uh, why I'm here and why I'm doing this. My entire life, I've effectively have been a fat kid. At age 11, I weighed 280 pounds. And the reality is, no matter what I weigh, I'm always that 280-pound 11-year-old behind these eyes. Well, now, to be fair, though, uh, you didn't just do that on Twinkies. There was a little bit of chemical intervention that that sped that process along, wasn't there? There was. Um, around six years old, I was put on a couple medications that... Um, did the had the dual benefit of shutting down my metabolism while hiking up my appetites to titanic degree and that's um what launched my initial weight gain because prior to that i had a very fast metabolism but it was chemically altered mm -hmm. not only that but i am an expert level trained comfort eater my entire family was massive comfort eaters and i can comfort eat with the best of them. Mm -hmm. Throughout my life, I've gained and lost weight um, from, at some point in my teenage years, I began losing the weight, mostly by walking and also eating much more sanely. It was only in recent years that I've once again ballooned into fairly large proportions, uh, hitting a high of 270 pounds about four years ago. Mm. Now, I spent two years getting that down to 180 pounds and getting into really good shape. Now, granted, I didn't get all the way to where I wanted to get, but I got really far and I was doing really well. And then last year hit and due to various circumstances, not the least of which was a return of an allergy issue that is so bad that it also brought along with it depression, which was something I hadn't dealt with since my teenage years. So barring allergies and just getting back on the diet and exercise program, 
last time you got the weight down, I mean, you're actually a highly qualified weight loser. If you think about it, you've two or three times in your life, you've lost massive amounts of weight. Before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about you. Who the hell are you? <laughs> I'm an army brat, uh, born in Fort Meade, Maryland many years ago and traveled around the world uh, with my folks. Uh, and I enjoyed that. Uh, the army life is good when you're a dependent and you're not having to do the getting shot at part. Uh, but that afforded me the opportunity to, you know, get to know a lot of different people, some different cultures, different places. Uh, travel is the best education, and uh, I think that's true to a large extent. Uh, one thing it, uh, one effect it did have is I was never around long enough to really have a sustained relationship with any sporting organization like in a high school or a coaching entity. And uh, so I never really, uh, you know, had a long-term spell uh, in one location of, of developing a sport. I wasn't very good at sport ball. I did enjoy wrestling. But in high school, I was uh, kind of immature physically and mentally and, and didn't really come out as an athlete until I started getting into college and developed uh, an interest in martial arts, rock climbing, trail running, uh, individual sports. And uh, then as I, my body started to mature, uh, I found that I was able to develop a, a pretty high degree of conditioning. Um, maybe being uh, not able to hit the side of a barn with a softball is what leads people into things like CrossFit, where you can show off your conditioning rather than your skill. Uh, but I eventually found my way to CrossFit and uh, at age 54 and competed in four CrossFit games. More than an athlete, really, um, what I th felt that you did better than most was your coaching. Your coaching philosophies, if you wouldn't mind. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the deal, Bruce. Um, it, whether it's CrossFit or anything, uh, sports are supposed to be for everybody. Maybe because I was never a varsity athlete or never uh, you know, an elite much of anything until I got old enough to be in a master's division for a sport that was more about exercise than sportiness, I guess. Uh, I've always felt that it was my job to, to help everybody. Elite athletes are going to be elite with or without me. Uh, they've got the talent to attract high-level coaches and uh, and so that's what they do. Um, I think it's more my job, especially because I remember not being fit and being a little bit excluded, not being the best athlete. I felt that um, I wanted to help everybody be the best they could be. And I just thought that inclusivity really was what CrossFit was meant to be about. And, you know, with that philosophy, uh, you can make anything you do inclusive if you just take pains to welcome everybody, everybody that wants to do it. And that's just what makes you special. What the purpose of this podcast is, if I didn't state it before, is one, to hold me accountable to my fitness journey. I've always, you, you said that you, you called me an expert at losing weight, and I guess to some degree I am. Uh, the important thing that I've done for myself is I've learned how I lose weight and also how I respond to working out. The other thing that I've learned is, 
or or I believe, let's say, I believe is to some degree fitness is individual. And it's not so much a matter of you follow this plan and if you follow it correctly, whatever this plan is, it'll work for you, is that you've got to figure out which pieces of various exercises and philosophies will work for you. For example, I respond very well to keto and low carbs, Mm. very low carbs. Not only do I lose weight, but once I um, adapt to ketosis, my energy level shoots through the roof and I can put in an incredible amount of effort. There are other people who respond very well to high natural carb, moderate protein, low fat diets. That diet kills me. I can't even function through a 30 minute moderately paced walk on that diet. It's not just physiological, it's also psychological. And the trick is to find that thing that's going to work both with your body and your mind. Uh, Sometimes that requires a little bit of discipline. Sometimes it just requires the understanding of figuring out what you're going to be comfortable with. You bring up a good point. You can't just use a blanket prescription for everybody and expect them to profit from it. Um, Keto, paleo, uh, the zone, whatever, every one of them has to be tweaked for the individual. There's probably as many versions of the zone diet as there are people on the zone diet. A lot of people like to do paleo zone. That's great if you've got a food scale and the discipline, but uh, it absolutely has to be tweaked to match your individual metabolism. The other thing that's important is, as somebody who's been heavy for most, if not all of his life, there's a sense of, at least with me, I I can't claim to be in everybody's head, but I have a deep sense of recrimination when it comes to food and how I'm doing with it. I mean, when I'm on my plan and I'm doing fine, I'm fine. But the moment I start slipping, there's a degree of guilt, there's a degree of anger, uh, and a degree of depression that comes with it. And probably a very important element when trying to take a journey like this is a degree of forgiveness to yourself. That doesn't mean a lack of accountability. That means understanding that you will make a mistake. And when you make a mistake, acknowledging the mistake and letting the mistake go is far more important than is far more healthy than feeling bad about the mistake, feeling angry, punishing yourself for the mistake. Oh, absolutely. That, that's all just wasted effort. You know, there's plenty of people out there to punish you. You don't need to be punishing yourself. Yeah, that's for sure. So, Bruce, uh, how did the whole COVID epidemic affect your program? You were riding high for a while. And something happened. Was this uh, due to COVID or indirectly? Or was COVID just tangential to some other trend that caused you to start backsliding? Uh, I think the answer is yes and yes. I think COVID affected me greatly. And I also think it was tangential to other um, factors that caused me to backslide. Mm -hmm. So uh, first off, prior to COVID, aside from the fitness thing, I was 
possibly still am an aspiring actor, writer, producer, I had developed a bit of momentum around one of my properties. COVID hit and it all went away. That all went away. On top of that, uh, we had a bit of a um, home situation that was, shall we say, unpleasant, that was Mm. affecting. It wasn't something affecting me and my um, girlfriend. I want to make this clear. I have a wonderful, beautiful, absolutely media-shy girlfriend, Mm -hmm. Liz, whom has always been more supportive of me and my various endeavors than anybody in their right mind ever would be. Um, I agree. Truly, like, she's truly, truly a gem among humanity. What happened was not between me and her. It did affect both of us. I don't want to go into detail about that. But what it did is it created a high-stress home situation that lasted for almost the like the first year of the pandemic. Hmm. It was the pebbles that began rolling down the hill that eventually created the avalanche. Hmm. But they were just the pebbles. So that situation lasted from the start of COVID until August of 2020. From there, my other business was um, IT consulting, which is not something I like doing. And it's kind of how I got to 270 in the first place a few years ago. Throughout the course of COVID, not only did the writing, producing, acting go away at a time when I didn't get enough momentum that it's easily recoverable, but also clients began closing. So... um. Income and work died off as well as all of these opportunities that were about to present themselves. Then the allergy thing hit. And it was the constant being broken out on top of the lack of opportunities. Thus, for the first time since my teenage years, a depression has set in. Mm -hmm. One that I will admit I'm still dealing with. And dealing with, with... some degree of professional help because you can never, it's not a great idea to try to go about these things by yourself. It's good enough for Michael Phelps. It's good enough for us. All of us have things to deal with, especially after an unprecedented last two years. Mm. So lost total control of my eating to a degree that I am very much ashamed of. And that has gone on up until yesterday. Not that yesterday was terribly bad, but yesterday um, involved things like pancakes and pizza and stuff that I like. Mm. Which, of course, pizza is a double whammy because not only is it not like a hell, like not good for you to begin with, but it involves milk, which I'm allergic to. So that's how I got here. And yeah, my my working out fell off completely. Uh, part of that was depression. Um, part of that, it, it's very hard to motivate yourself to work out when your skin is crawling. It's just, you don't want anything. You just want to not feel. You know, you're like the guy in the shingles commercial. It's uh, It's got to be pretty infuriating. Yes. Um, but that leads us to today. So today is effectively day zero of 
trying to get myself back on track. Mm-hmm. And I do have a game plan. So the game plan goes a little like this. There's the two, there's two parts of it. And the two parts work together, but they are separate. Your fitness routine is different than your diet. Unless you're running marathons, your fitness is never going to outpace your diet. It just isn't. Abs are not made in the gym. They're made in the kitchen. Not that I'm going for abs. I don't think that I'm genetically capable of them, even with like the most severe of diets and fasting or whatnot. I don't, I don't think my body, my body doesn't want to have abs. Not like that. It's just not how I'm built. Right now, my goals are a lot more simple, such as getting back to where I was 18 months ago. To do that, there's the diet side. And on the diet side, I want to return to what worked for me, which is keto, fairly strict keto, with intermittent fasting and the occasional um, short to medium turn fast thrown in. And um, that starts today. And my plan on that is I'm going to take it in steps. So my first step is just getting back on keto, getting through the adaptation phase. Mm -hmm. Everybody who starts keto needs to get through the adaptation phase. And that's where most people fail on keto because they feel like crap. They have no energy. And it's like, this is supposed to be this fantastic diet. Why do I feel like I'm near death? It's because the body hasn't adapted to powering itself off of ketones. And so your brain still wants carbs while you have none. And you need to get through that first week or two. Um, And honestly, if you get through two or three weeks and you still feel like terrible, then the diet's not going to work for you and you should not be doing it. But for me, I get through the adaptation phase fairly quickly. And then I start feeling really good. So the first week to two weeks is just getting onto keto. After that, I'm going to return to my intermittent fasting window which for me has always been from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. eating. eating. So I eat for six hours. Um, and the reason for that is it's um, to help regulate your insulin levels. Mm-hmm. For most people, certainly on the standard American diet, the way they eat spikes their insulin levels and the body just really wants to store fat. Even if you're not doing keto, intermittent fasting helps that because your body has an 18-hour cooldown period between insulin spikes. Mm. And then probably more like a month, two months down the line, give or take, whenever I really feel like it, I'll start throwing in, you know, a 72-hour fast here or there. Mm. Maybe a little more, but I don't want, the fact that I'm doing this publicly, I don't want people to get the wrong idea and I don't want people to do things to take a cue from me that they're not ready to or would be bad. It would be great if... if, uh the vast majority of people who can't stick to a program like that uh, could take away something at some point that's doable for for the majority of people. Somebody should be able to look at you and go, yeah, I don't need to lose X amount of weight, but I would like to drop 20. What can I take from this that doesn't involve a 72-hour fast? Maybe I'll do this, but, but slightly different. Um, What's your uh, exercise program going to be during the first couple of weeks? My gym, certainly for now, is downstairs in my garage. And I got myself a weight bench. I got myself um, dumbbells from like five pounds to 60 pounds. I have a whole bunch of um, 
resistance bands, like mm-hmm. about 700 pounds worth of resistance of resistance bands. And I've also got anchors bolted into um, my studs downstairs so that I can actually use those weights. I have a freestanding heavy bag and I've got a speed bag. Mm-hmm. So what my goal is for the next week is to have, or the next couple weeks, is to have three workouts a week with a warm-up of working the speed bag and heavy bag, and then doing varying degrees of, of resistance exercises. With the goal of it being about a 20 to 30 minute on the warm-up, and anywhere from 45 to an hour and a half on the lifting, depending on how I'm feeling and what I'm doing and where I'm at. And also at this point, which is going to be a factor, the amount of rest I need to take. Beyond that, um, how I've always lost a lot of weight was through walking. I also plan on three days a week walking at least three miles Mm. in in a given day. And for me, I'm, that's, that's a low amount, but I just want to get started. I do live in the hills. Walking in the hills is a very, very helpful uh, physical activity. Sure. That's my fitness plans for the next couple weeks. After that, I will adjust accordingly. You have a weight vest? I do. Ah. Um, not only that, but I also have got like 70... Eight additional pounds that I didn't have the last time I was going hard. So okay. there's a permanent weight vest for now. Stuff that I will eventually bring into it will be bringing back the tumbling. I have um, several different levels of pads that I can put out on the deck and roll around and flip around onto. Mm. What I was kind of trying to arrive at is what's your fail safe on a day when you just can't manage to get down there when you can't get to the gym when the box of Aunt Jemima pancake syrup is staring you in the face. What what's your plan to get out the door and and fight the demon? Let's address the Aunt Jemima pancakes first. The way I'm gonna deal with the Aunt Jemima pancakes is I'm clearing out the cupboard. Like I'm not going to be staring down that box of Aunt Jemima because by staring it down at this point, um, the likelihood of me breaking is bigger than the likelihood of me walking away from it. So there's a simple solution. Mm. Don't have the box of Aunt Jemima. Anything that is not conducive is going into the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that. As far as getting down to the gym, I have to, one, remember that in a week... I'll be talking to you. I'll be putting this out there into the public, which is the reason I'm doing this is to put that degree of pressure. But also, I really enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. I just have to remember that. What I'm really concerned about is when I'm broken out and I'm itchy mm-hmm. and I don't want to move because I'm irritated. I have to motivate myself to do it then. Yeah. And I wish I had a good answer for what my plan is to do it. I have an answer. Good, I'd need one. Keep a bowl of apples by the door. Grab an apple and a bottle of water. Walk out the door. Head up the hill. 
You can do that with a rash. And you can do it without any gear. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a pretty good last resort. And I've, I've had to do it myself a bit here uh, in these environs, just, uh, you know, for various reasons. Uh, walking, especially hills. I mean, South Carolina is flat as a pancake uh, down here in the low country. If there's one thing I miss uh, about California, it's the hills. Uh, you got a great big old hill there that you can chug up, just like we used to do on Verdugo Mountain. And uh, that's a huge advantage if you think about it. Uh, it might not be as fun as the other stuff, but on days when you just can't manage to wrap your mind around the other stuff, you can just zone out, uh, put your earbuds in, grab some water, and, and head up that hill. It's meditation in motion. You're welcome. Well, thank you there, Uncle Coach. Um. I think the things I'm really concerned about right now is um, we're going to have a visitor in about two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, the man who owns the house we live in. Oh. Um, wonderful. Um, wonderful man. Um, and it's not that his diet is that bad. It's not. Um, but he does like his bread. Mm -hmm. And um, that means that there will be bread around the house. And that's going to probably be my first, um, shall we say, challenge as silly as that sounds, is dealing with that. But by that time, also, I'll be a couple weeks into keto. And one of the neat things that I've always discovered for myself with it is um, when you're in ketosis and you've got all those ketones now, you're like, your liver's producing ketones. One, it suppresses appetite. So your appetite naturally goes down. Even when your nature is to, oh, I want to eat that, the pull is less for me. Mm -hmm. Being firmly on keto is helps everything about this journey, including my ability to resist things that are tempting, which is why I like keto, which is why it, it's helpful to me. Yeah, it's good to have something available quickly to plug in there when you need it. Um, when I start wanting ice cream at night, you know, an apple with some peanut butter uh, will do the trick, you know, in terms of deterring me from that. You know, you, you need ready substitutes that fit into your program that'll take the edge off uh, long enough for you to resist the temptation. The other thing that works for me more than substitution in foods. Because um, the act of doing this is going to create, um, anyone who listens to this is going to listen to a uh, half hour, whatever this ends up being by the time it's edited down. Uh, but for me, it's going to be hours of work. On top of that, in attempting to do the other bits and pieces of this, it's going to be a lot of work. What that means is long periods of time where I'm just simply not thinking about food. When everything went away with COVID, it gave me a lot of time to a lot of empty spaces. And by filling up those empty spaces with other things for me, such as learning the piano, such as continuing building models and whatnot, which it's been a while since I've done that, um, going back to playing my bass, more physical activity, going for those walks, um, video editing. All of this stuff is going to 
remove long periods of time where I would get the thought of, oh, I've not had a chocolate bar for a while. God, I'd really like a chocolate bar. Um, and then that triggers the, if I don't have the chocolate bar, I'm feeling deprived. Um, and that becomes a cycle, which eventually leads to getting a chocolate bar and eating a chocolate bar. But I can fill that space with an activity and this, the very act of doing this is going to provide a lot of activity. That's an actual, that constitutes an actual plan. Everything you just said gives you the means to succeed if uh, you just stick to it. For somebody who is like me, whom, you know, food is this deep comfort thing. And when you start thinking about food, it also begins to have a gravitational pull. Having a kind of um, fail-safe hobby or activity that you can engage with. And I'm not talking watching TV. If you can find something that's, you know, again, again, for me, the act of creation and and, and using my hands um, totally like will absorb my attention and will push thoughts of food just out of my head. Um, Finding that activity for, for the, for whoever the individual is for you whoever you are, um, can make a big difference on moving your fitness journey forward because it becomes, as you said, a fail-safe, Randy, having a fail-safe. Like, if you're not going to work out, if you can just get out the door and walk in the hills, hell, if you don't have hills, if you can just get out the door and walk for three miles, that, that will be better than sitting there and feeling sad and then eating something and staring down that box of Aunt Jemima. Mm-hmm. But if, but if you're getting hungry and, and maybe you wanted to play the guitar and you never really had the time, but if you take the 10 minutes then, because ultimately it's these, it's a small period of time you need to get through mm-hmm. to let the obsession go. If you can just let it go for 10, 15 minutes, you give your mind the chance to move on. Yeah. And you get your endorphins someplace besides food. Yeah. Now, if you are out there, You've heard what I plan to do for the next week or two. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear where you're at in your fitness journey. We'd love to hear what concerns you have, what questions you want to ask somebody. I'm not a fitness expert. I am not a nutritionist. Um, but still... I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to talk to you because ultimately doing this alone is harder than doing it together. And even though we're not in the same place and at first considering the setup, we can't even interact directly. We'd love to help. Absolutely. Um, Check in and uh, let us know if we can uh, help adapt our journey to your journey. You can follow us on Instagram at Fittest Fat Kid, on Twitter at Fittest Fat Kid. Email us at hi there at fittestfatkid.com. It's not there now, but soon you'll be able to check in with us, see our articles, watch and follow along with my fitness and food log at www.fittestfatkid.com. 
Find us on Facebook at fittestfatkid.com. You can also find me on Instagram at bigguysmalldog, where you can see some of my dog pictures as well as various things of my life. Randy, where can they find you? They can find me at uh, scrotusthewise on medium.com, where I've got some articles uh, related and not related. Uh, I don't really twit, nor do I tweet, but uh, you can find me on Facebook uh, if you like. If you're in South Carolina, you can take a class with me at the Conway Rec Center. Uh, I'm there at different times throughout the week, and uh, we'll see you down there. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.